Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to What Women Must Know. Thank you for joining me. You know, this show is such a wonderful opportunity to have inspiring and in-depth conversations with um, people who have wonderful experiences, who are really on a journey of healing, perhaps in their own lives, perhaps in their in their work and in their passion. And whenever we uh, have an opportunity to have conversations like this, it's just a chance to really expand our awarenesses, to open our minds, to, uh, you know, add to the wealth of knowledge that we have. Because I always say on this show, I say this all the time, that this show's purpose is to empower you with truthful information so you can make informed decisions in your life. And that has been my journey. It's that quality of curiosity that you keep your mind open. There's always more to learn, more to heal, more to help us live a healthier, more fulfilling life. And to maintain that curiosity is so uh, important in life. I think it's one of the most important qualities we have is to be open and curious and to keep learning. So we have a wonderful conversation in store for you today that really is inspirational. And I'm just going to jump right into this because we're interviewing Nadia Davis and we're going to be exploring her memoir of recovery and redemption, a, a truly, a truly, truly inspirational story of a woman with great courage to share the journey that she's been on. So just let me share a little bit about Nadia and then We'll uh, invite Nadia to be on the show, and we'll begin this wonderful conversation. So Nadia Davis is a mom, attorney, victim's rights advocate, Kundalini yoga instructor, and author of Home is Within You, a memoir of recovery and redemption. She is a survivor of trauma and abuse, a near-fatal car accident, addiction, and public shaming. Nadia has a lifelong record of passionate work and dedication improving the lives of others. She is most well known as the attorney who fought tirelessly to free Arthur Carmona, an innocent victim wrongly accused and jailed for a crime he didn't commit. Nadia has received numerous awards for her work improving the lives of others. She's developing a nonprofit to support mothers in the justice system working to end the public shaming and stigma they face for struggling with addiction and mental health. So you are in for a a truly inspiring, heartfelt conversation, honest conversation with Nadia Davis today. So Nadia, it's such a pleasure to welcome you to What Women Must Know. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction and for the work you do to empower women. Oh, you're so welcome, too. And, you know, um, we'll, we'll delve into your journey. And I, I want to say it's, um, it's, it's often the same story with so many women, what you'll be sharing with us in the journey you've been through. And this is such a perfect conversation for this show, for my What Women Must Know show, because in this situation, and it's not just about women, but we're talking about facing our wounds, our demons, our greatest fears, and truly finding the courage from within to be free of the guilt and the shame 
um, the limitations, the misperceptions, so we can step into the true power and might and love that we are. So I really am looking forward to this conversation because I know you're really honest when you talk about this journey. And, um, well, you know, we'll just jump in and and have you share a little bit about your story because um, what's really courageous about you, Nadia, and you writing this book and how your life has been transformed is that you were a very public figure. (laughs) We'll talk about it. You were a very public figure. And this journey that you've been on, which we'll get into, um, you know, some people go through their own traumas and, and, and issues in life. And, you know, it's with, it's held within their community or their family and others get the headlines, right? And you, you got the headlines. So that's, you know, that's, that's where your 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 transformation has been so inspirational. So let's just start and talking about your journey. Can we start at the beginning? Can we start about your childhood? And from there, we'll let the story unfold. Absolutely. And thank you so much for pointing out um, you know, the public shaming component because it it was absolutely the hardest thing to overcome, um, primarily because, you know, we as children we don't we don't learn that there is something called self awareness or an unconsciousness. And um I grew up without any knowledge of that. I mean, I grew up with Catholicism, but there wasn't any um, messaging at all that, um, you know, you are not a body, you are not your thoughts, and that no, no um, kind of slowing down, calming of of my mind. And it was a busy household. I'm the youngest of seven children and seven kids within nine years. My parents um, sponsored Vietnamese refugees, and um, my father is Native American and Hispanic, and my mom is an immigrant from Germany. She's still um, a German citizen. And, you know, we had tamales, apple strudel, and egg rolls, and the Big Brother band, <laughs> and um, it it was a busy household. And... Uh, I, you know, escaped in my crafts and in my little Nadia projects to save the world, like raising money for Live Aid and canned food drives and um, really was inspired by my parents' selflessness um, to contribute to the community. Um, They were both uh, very, um, are very loving, very giving people. Um, So I had that example from them. Um, with their own um, histories uh, and not, you know, having had the blessing that I have had to have a long road of recovery um, and therapists and treatment, they each um, did the best that they could. And when bad things, however, started to happen to me, um, there was, you know, some racial bullying at school that had messages like, you know, dirty girl, wash your face, your face is dirty due to a birthmark 
that I had and um, brownie and things of that sort, my brain um, imprinted those like posters. And when I began to experience um, sexual abuse from a doctor, um, it combined into a core understanding of myself and what I am. And I I carried that through throughout adulthood, un- unaware to me until later in life when I did some EMDR and some trauma work. And it's not as though it was literal. It was this unconscious core belief that 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 I had that you know, especially as a woman, it 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 sent to us constantly. You know, um, the focus on the body, and so when you are over sexualized as a child, um, it the belief that I was just a body um, allowed you know um, the the internal shaming messages that then later in life were were put on headlines. So throughout um, high school and college and then law school, my saving grace was helping other people. And I found hope and light and connection in in doing a lot of different work um, for others uh, from Again, I can go through high school and college and law school, but it really was um, the way I felt loved, the way I could give love, and and I and from early, early on as a child, very early on, I, it was my calling to quote unquote save the world. Um, my father has an incredible story, and his story is the entire first chapter of the book. And his spirit comes to me today and came throughout my entire journey of recovery and shines light here and there throughout the memoir. He was an orphan field worker um, and became one of the first Spanish-speaking lawyers um, in the state of California and was a unifier um, amongst political parties and just uh, a selfless, you know, barrier uh, beating individual that had just this warmth about him that that changed people. And while I didn't have a, a super communicative relationship with him, there was a undeniable identification both with our skin color as well as uh, his his focus in life to help other people. And he very abruptly passed away of a heart attack playing basketball at the beginning of my second, second year of law school. And my whole world was flipped upside down. And, you know, I just believed that, that the, the darkness was winning and it made no sense to me at all. And without having built a foundation, you know, within me 
um, the same survivalistic mind um, went in high gear. Um, I had suffered a rape, a violent rape in college prior to that, and then somewhat of controlled eating got to an extreme in law school also. And my best friend then passed away in front of me, and shortly um, thereafter, I was elected in my, I'm going to save the world mode, to serve on the school board locally in the same city where my father grew up in. And shortly after that, uh, leaving a work meeting, a big rig hit my car, and it flipped three times, and I was landed in an embankment, and and I died for several minutes. I was not breathing when they found me. My brain bled, and I had 22 broken bones, a punctured lung. And in those moments that are indescribable, I felt my father's spirit and those of loved ones and um, unrecognizable or identifiable souls, yet yet presences that I knew I knew for some reason. And it, I didn't want to leave. It was the safest place where past, present, and future all made sense to me. And that is the space that I'm now kind of able to connect to and what I call a home within. However, at the time, um, after being revived, I was uh, on life support and then was on an IV line to morphine for over a month. And that, again, just reiterated, you are, you are just a body. And it was this, this just tap, tap, tap messaging in my head, get up and fight, survive. Um, you have a professional image and identity and people will forget you and, um, everything about my self-worth was all physical and external. And I, at the time, was representing um, a wrongfully convicted youth, Arthur Carmona, and um, his plight was at its height. And I went back to work in my wheelchair. And it, again, was I, I am worth living, I am worth something because of this outside identity, because I am quote-unquote needed, because I have this title of attorney or school board member or, um, you know, um, and hiding, you know, the deformities of my broken bones with, you know, literally a month after the wheelchair, putting my high heels on and my suit and going in with a smiling face and just, um, you know, surviving with that that front, completely oblivious to the real core value that we all are. And it was in that time where the losses, the childhood trauma, the physical pain, 
and um, a, just a, a lot of untreated uh, trauma where I began drinking to self-manage more. I began drinking more. And I was a highly functioning, you know, alcoholic and received numerous awards um, for the work that I was doing. And, again, it was just this stamp, you're doing everything right, you know. The blood and grit of the day, it's paying off. And, you know, you're you're worth something. And in the heights of that, I don't know if you want me to continue in the second half. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I Wait, let me just ask a question. So it sounds like yeah, when you had lot. that car accident, I can't imagine having 22 bones broken, what that could possibly be like. But it's from what you were sharing, it sounded like you had a near-death experience in that moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Which is so profound. I mean, to have an experience where you entered into the, you know, uh, I would say that our true home, right? Um, and to have those connections that 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 has to have been uh, an experience that not only was life changing but life transforming that you carried within you through what right. was to come. Absolutely. And the introduction to the book is titled, Dear Son, When I Visited the Angels, You Were There. And I did not know that it was them, yet I knew later that it was them. And mm-hmm. I... I um, Let me just ask, just out of curiosity, when you were in... When when you were in that state, when you were between choosing between life and returning back to home, um, did did you have a choice uh, whether you wanted to stay or go? No. I was just there. Were you it's, and it's were you indescribable. You're you're. It just is. I, I wish I could read. I I could read you this part of the book, but. I mean, it is where, I mean, I I would love to read this. You, this is Dear Son. You were there that night I died long before any human idea of you ever came to be. Engulfed in the infinite formless warmth, love and light, it is where no fear or judgment exists. It is a magnificent and all-knowing peace. My father's soul and innumerable others shined and thrived, whole, perfect, and complete. I didn't want to leave. But then a message came so clear, now is not the time. An indelible mark of that home within was etched into my being. Another's breath was forced inside me, and a thump of my heart was heard again. My soul returned to a body that would struggle for years to survive. But now I know the reason it did. It was to carry your life. And you had a you had a destiny to fulfill. You weren't finished. I believe that now today, absolutely. And the core struggle that is very vulnerably, specifically shared 
between the point of the accident and the point of beginning the recovery journey was I couldn't find peace between that experience and then this physical life. I I couldn't find that space within that we can connect to that isn't that, but it is in observation of the physical life. And I didn't even know that that was possible. And so that is the journey of, of the book and finding that home within. That's mm-hmm. that's the bridge. Okay, so so here you are. You're recovering. Well, you've had this profound transformational spiritual experience, not knowing what to do with it, right, and in, in back into the physical world of life. And you're, you know, in immense pain. You've been on morphine for, you know, what, a month or so, you said, you know. You've been on, so you've been on these, you know, these heavy pain meds. You were still in pain, um, whether you were, st- I don't know whether you, whether they tapered you off or that they, you know, you were continuing, but then you added the alcohol because you just, like, that draw, that, that driven part of you <laughs> that had to continue to have value in the world was indomitable, right? It had to get back out there and do its thing. They tapered me off, yes, and then I was in a rehabilitation hospital for a couple of months. And the waking up and the just trying to digest what had happened as well as, um, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't present. I wasn't present mentally. I'm not saying spiritually. I wasn't, I had not yet fully digested the brain injury and and everything that had happened to me. But what I did see in front of me was posters from, you know, parents in the school district, Licenciada Davis, you know, we miss you, get better. And also news articles and things that were saying, um, or rumors from my friends that were visiting me and they would say, in their kind heart, yet not understanding that I wasn't quite all there quite yet, you know, people are saying, you know, you'll never be the same and and things of that sort. And so what our survival is. Helpful things for your recovery, right? Right, right. And, you know, we don't know that our minds are survivalistic. We 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 don't know or we forget. I forget. We all forget that it's this animalistic. And for a good reason, it got the human race this far. But immediately it's like, you know, get up and fight for that. And um, the messages in my head were, were all, that's your value. And, you know, prove to them that you're okay even though you can't remember what you just read or you can barely stand you know so i went back and and i am i am thankful that the community was so loving and was so hopeful um it really truly is what got me out of what could have become um you know, a depressed, isolated state 
Um, absolutely. But the pain meds I cut off because I felt like they made me tired. And it really became more of like a social drinking, a, a highly functional, what I believe looking back now, began alcoholic drinking and managing the the internal struggles of the chronic pain, all the losses, the trying to come to terms with that experience and then physical life, but a ton of unaddressed um, depression, trauma, physical pain. In the heights of that, I then met my ex-husband and a two-minute opportunity I had to make a plea to him as he was the standing state attorney general at an awards event, I went up and made a, a, a plea to assist with a piece of legislation that we had carried that prioritized education over commercial use whenever there's a a marine-based closure anywhere in the nation. I'm sorry, anywhere in the state. And we were, you know, one of the most overcrowded school districts in the state, yet we're landlocked, um, had passed a school bond. And I made a plea and walked away, and he ended up tracking me down and calling the law office that I worked for. It went straight over my head, meaning... It just didn't register, oh, this man's trying to ask me out on a date. That was not my intention. And we ended up um, having lunch through a mutual friend of his that had introduced me at this awards party and um, then had dinner at a different date. And... Um, I made the mistake of taking a drug and got pregnant and I that is our oldest son who is a miracle in the whole entire universe our oldest son Diego and um when I wrote the book again every chapter starts with a title dear son and then a line he was truly um the one that I was thinking of in the beginning of writing the book. And then he has seven-year-old twin brothers um, that then, you know, continued that place where I could write from as a mother. Diego um, was in my belly five months when we married, and I resigned from the school board. I We... Um, were married in a courtroom. Um, it was publicly announced before I kind of had fully made a decision, um, kind of a a public image saving thing for him. And I was a tad in shock and um, began my life in Northern California and became more and more isolated, I would say, in my personal friendships and life, yet more and more public um, as the Lockyer's wife. And it really created and 
cemented in stone the quote-unquote successful mode of living that I was in mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It was put on a happy face, look good, and fulfill your professional duties, and everything will be just fine. (laughs) Um, Because you're the wife, because you're now the wife of the Attorney General of California. Yes. Yes. Quite a... Yeah, quite a public position to uphold. And it happened overnight. And um, I, again, in my heart of hearts, you know, focused on all that there was to be grateful for and really just kind of numbed out any any instinct of me of needing um any real intimate connection emotionally and mentally and I didn't know what that felt like um and it just uh became the I mean I escaped as a mom Diego was my um was every minute of the joy and adventure and, you know, um, thrill of life. I absolutely love being a mother. And he um, and I, you know, created our our little missions every day. And, and we traveled all the time with Bill. And that is one thing I can say. Bill absolutely has stayed by my side and my and our son's side since day one. He is he 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 has shown his commitment of love and his commitment um, as a father to his children and has stood by my side throughout my journey. Um, there were a couple of little bumps here and there where he was dealing with his own unaddressed fears. Um, and it certainly wasn't easy at a, at that point, absolutely, later on when we separated. But but looking back um, at that time and then now today, um, I could – there's no reason for me to ever, like, deny his love for me and his children. So during that time – um, we traveled a lot all over the world, and it ca- there came a point when Diego was starting preschool where I, Bill's age as well as um, my chronic pain and things started happening where I started having flashbacks from childhood, and um, Arthur Carmona um, passed very abruptly, and um, we lost a child in utero, and um, then my brother, who I had taken in to assist, um, had attempted suicide under our roof. And it just was like one thing after another, and the mode, and the survivalistic mode just crashed. And just every layer it just it, I didn't know where to start and mm-hmm. so so that um, 
was in the midst of my professional life, ironically, um, taking off. I was executive director of the Alameda County Family Justice Center, and at the at the year anniversary of that was when we lost a child, my brother's attempt, and Arthur Carmona was struck and killed. And the flashbacks had been happening for about a year, and everything just became just overwhelming. And then again, my drinking increased. And I would just prepare my brain for to be to perform to be um, to keep my mouth shut to to be a robot basically. For one, Bill came home from work, and if I mentioned any concern or said I was down or in pain or uh, whether physically or emotionally. Um, he, at the time, could not respond lovingly. He he just was not able to to be there for me. And I didn't know how to be there for myself. And I sought help through Kaiser. And then there, Bill and I separated for a short time. And... I met somebody there who fit right into the groove of this is a peer who claims I get it. I'll, you know, I I can be here for you and became intimately involved with this person and within a week that person um, exposed me to the same drug and I became addicted at the same time I felt that I had met a peer that truly cared. And addiction loves PTSD. It loves chronic pain. It loves a broken heart. It loves unaddressed grief. I mean, all of the above. And that was a month of um, weekly use on on the weekend, not daily. And within that time, that man presented himself, and I believed everything to be true, presented as though he cared, that he would be there. And he, unbeknownst to me, had taken intimate photos of me and had received different uh, financial account information and other information. And when I started to have or sense some red flags in his behaviors and cut him off, the psychological horror began. First, it was, his shaming saying, you know, if you leave me, I will kill myself. Do you want to have what happened to your brother also happen to me? So it was manipulating very psychologically um, painful stuff. 
than it was photos um, kind of instigating as though he was going to harm himself. Um, and during this time, you know, I was a mom. I had a full-time job. Um, I had been elected county supervisor, um, and I th- – this was a month or so long yet of interaction, yet when I began to block this person and cut ties and my consciousness was raising and I told Bill about it all, we decided to try and reconcile and, and work, Bill and I. Um, you know, he kind of came clean and – we were angling to to heal, and the gentleman who did this um, then blackmailed us as a family, and um, just it, it went on and on. Um, at the point where I was losing my mind, um, where then there were threats of my son and, and it, it, it got to a point where um, a bank account had been hacked into and Bill believed that I had been in contact and um, I believed that the individual that was doing it was not doing it and he claimed that he could stop it all. And in that interaction... I was assaulted and um, strangled and left for dead when I went to the person who had blackmailed and exploited me online. In my sickness, I believe that that was the only person that could help me. And at that point, everything was publicized. And the story that was told was, this is a sex and drug scandal. This is nothing but about infidelity. And the shame and shaming became like the theme of the media coverage from one reporter in particular. And that was the darkest time in my life. Um, the DA did press charges. She is a national victim's rights leader. She provides the foreword in the book. I love and adore this woman so much, Nancy O'Malley. At that time, she did press charges for grave bodily injury and strangulation, yet because I had worked for her years prior, the press then said that there was a conflict of interest and it was pulled from her hands and sent to the state attorney general's office. By that time, months had passed, and I was running to stand still. And So the district attorney in Alameda County pressed charges for strangulation and grave bodily injury. And there were photos um, and witnesses. And unfortunately, because I had worked for her, the press claimed that there was a conflict of interest, even though the work had been years prior. The case was pulled, and it was sent to 
then uh, Kamala Harris's attorney general's office and the press eventually just had a heyday and ran with a story that was void of the prior violations against me and my family and the shaming and the the branding um, of us became so overwhelmingly painful that I had to protect my child from that life. And so I left with Diego and moved to Southern California to get the help that I needed. Um, I eventually um, was arrested for possession and then again, kind of it, it ended up just confirming these, these uh, blaming of the victim, this unstable woman, this, this, um, you know, drug addict, quote unquote, slut were the stories. And, and I then just completely internalized it. And um, again, just reached some of the darkest hours of my life. However, that began the journey that was 11 years ago and slowly but surely through treatment and jail and hospitalizations and triumphs and falls i worked thankfully so with a therapist through trauma work I found an amazing fellowship of individuals in the program and a beautiful Kundalini Yoga family that has been with me for years, all three, that that have helped me to build a place that I call within, which is home. You know, home should be safe, shame, and judgment-free. And the purpose of saying all the specific stories in the book as well as now is my full belief that, you know, we can ban our shame within. And when we do that, when we stand tall in our truth and connected to our true selves, we can stand up against all the negative stigmas around addiction and mental health and see whole people as they are, and don't assume we're reading the truth, and ask for the whole human stories to be told and not just the sensationalized parts. Um, I learned through trauma work, which absolutely was core and key to my sobriety. You know, we learn in the program that we have character quote-unquote defects but I learned a different word I learned that my mind has attack thoughts because it is survivalistic and survivalistic means that it will create fears and if I am aware that that's how my mind works I am not my mind I am not my thoughts and I can say okay 
I am in the survivalistic nature and I'm going to observe this right now. I'm not going to run in the story or the memory and I'm going to be gentle and self-compassionate on myself. And when I can also see when others are projecting, I can not react. I can pause when agitated and I can wait for some intuitive guidance as to how to respond at some future point. That sounds all easy. It sounds like I'm just saying, oh, it's just overnight. This was a slow, methodic process. And the more that we ban the shame and accept the reality that recovery is a process, the more I believe that people will reach out for help and do that heroic act and will continue to receive help and and that others, you know, can have the long journey of recovery. And the beauty of it is it's like the work the beauty is that the work is always evolving. And one key thing my therapist told me at the beginning of my journey, she said to me, and I thought she was crazy. She's like, you are not a body. And I said, what on earth is this woman talking about? And the more that I realized that I wasn't, I was able to hear her say to me, we are all like infinite beings, whole, perfect, and complete. And you're just in this body, this vessel for now. And this is how you learn to survive. Then I was able to hear, okay, if I'm in this body, then I can embrace this body and enjoy it without shame. Then I was able to hear, okay, I am not my thoughts, and I can start observing them. You know, if I can if I can just jump in, Nadia, for a minute, because we're kind of coming close to the end, so there's... You know, I just want to make sure certain things that we are communicated to everybody. But I listened to your story in such awe because you have such strength to be able to have gone through so much trauma. And the story is, um, it's like not everyone goes through the depth of trauma, the sexual abuse and the emotional abuse and then the, you know, the accidents and the, public shaming, you know, as a wife of the attorney general, and here you are caught out with, you know, sex videos and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it, we can, it, until we can acknowledge and address that we carry these wounds, most, most of which is unconscious, um, right. that are causing us to make, you know, the pain that we have and the misperceptions that we're unlovable or that we are bad or that we, you know, are alone or that, you know, we're unworthy, whatever, which is part of the human journey here, because I really do believe we all have our own version of it. It's part of living in this third dimensional reality and, and having a body. Um, right. And then, and then because I've been through there, I mean, I haven't been through nearly the journey you have, but it's still painful whenever you feel like you are alone, unloved, deserted, you know, um, whatever that and story is, right? And let me be clear, everybody's pain 
is their pain. There's no yes. comparison. Right. And 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 as you and I really wanted you to share the story because it's whatever time it takes, whatever time it takes for this journey to unfold, for the growth to happen, to arrive at a place where all of a sudden light starts to shine again. There's a crack of more light coming in, and it's like right. feeding a part of you that is freeing you from the past so you can truly embrace who you tr- truly are, right, and be able to live with more self-love and greater passion and compassion out in the world without all that baggage. Right. I mean, that's, and as we talked earlier before the show, this is the transformational journey we all go through, whether it's a chronic illness, whether it's, you know, physical abuse, whether it's, you know, severe, you know, shaming, whether it's birth trauma or, you know, your unwanted, whatever. We all create it, set it up, and go through it, and hopefully we'll be able to access the resources and that moment when our spirit or soul, whatever you want to call it, is coming to the fore. And you had that near-death experience that had to have given you, whether consciously or unconsciously, some strength to carry on because you tapped into a profound spiritual experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my my father's soul and what I was in, that complete and utter peace and pain, happiness, losses, life, all of it made complete sense. I think the, the beautiful thing about our journeys that we all are on is that one little baby step or one request for help is choosing love. And the the most simplest advice I give to myself and to others every day is how we have a choice every day between love or fear. And love is when we see our truest form, and that is infinite beings, whole and complete. And fear is when we are in our mind. And if I am able to tell those in my life closest to me, and most importantly, my children, like you are loved unconditionally. You are loved unconditionally. And just the fact that you are trying to be aware of your thoughts or your behavior or whatever it might be says to me, to have gratitude for the fact, like, you know you are love. You you know you are a spirit. And it's really simple if we just start with that. You know, um, we're, we're coming to the end. So first of all, um, yeah. your book, um, is um, which is called Home is Within You, a memoir of recovery and redemption. And, you know, what, you know, what... Um, what courage, actually, to 
to tell your story as a healing journey, as the hero's journey. It really is the hero's journey. I see it through the heroine's journey, you know, of going, of, of, of being, of being courageous to lay it all out there. Right. Because this is inspirational. This is honest and it's inspirational for others because if you could lay it all out there with all this, you know, all your drama, anybody can lay it out there and, and not, and not have to carry it around as a burden, but just know it's the journey that we are taking in this lifetime towards self-love, towards healing. So, And the purpose um, of laying out was to help to ban that shame so others feel safe and they know that, you know, just asking for help makes you a hero and just opening up and being vulnerable makes them, you know, my hero. Absolutely, because... Uh, we might have mentioned this earlier, I can't remember, but I, I know I had to learn that vulnerability is your greatest strength. You're yes. invulnerable when you're vulnerable, right? Yes. It's a yes. paradox. <laughs> so, yes. so, uh, so Nadia, so people can go first of all to your website, which is Nadia-Davis.com, and yes. they can pre-order your book, which I so recommend people ordering it. I think it's being released in April, so you can put your pre-order in Home is Within You for the amazing inspiration and healing. Just reading this book will will offer healing for people. It, it, it's, it's just an amazing journey of strength, resilience, and honesty, deep honesty. Um, I also yeah. offer um, live healing chats on Sundays and uh, live healing meditation on Thursdays, as well as what I call spiritual advocacy, which is really just advocating for your true self and your truth and banning all shame on Fridays. All of that is on Instagram and free. And so that's at Nadia Maria Davis. But if anybody out there knows somebody that could benefit from this book, I would be more than happy to send them a copy. Okay, so your Instagram is at Nadia Maria Davis. Yes. Okay, and and can they get that information from your website as well? Yes. Okay, so the website again is Nadia-Davis.com. So check yes. out Nadia's website, um, all these amazing resources that she is generously sharing with other souls on the journey. And, uh, you know, as, as, as we, as we travel these journeys, Nadia, and go through to the other side, so to speak, you know, in, in terms of the recovery and transformation, we kind of turn around and, and offer our hands to those behind us and help them over to the other side of their recovery. And, and that's why your work is so important. You know, it's so important. So I just, um, I, I know you'll be a great success. I know you will transform others as you have transformed yourself. And uh, I, I just want to say it's such an, an honor to have you here sharing with such honesty this, um, you know, amazing, mesmerizing journey you've been sharing with us with the inspiration of how you have transformed all of that into a life that is really serving others. It's 
truly serving yourself and others from the deepest place of truth and love. Thank you so much for your kind words and thank you so much for the work that you do and for helping women to know what they need to know. Yeah. It's a big story because this is such the, uh, the, the, the unresolved trauma is really the bottom line of what generates our, you know, our unhappiness, our addictions, our illnesses. So that's why your story is such a light to women, a light to everyone. It's not just women. It's a light in the world. So we need to go, Nadia. We're at the end of the show. Thank you so much, everyone. Please check out Nadia. Nadia's website, Nadia-Davis.com. And go to her Instagram, Nadia Maria Davis, for all those wonderful free gifts she's offering. So, um, wow, I guess uh, it's just time to say goodbye. Nadia, thanks so much. Thank you all for listening. And I'll see you next week here on What Women Must Know. And remember, always honor the wisdom of your feminine self. Bye for now.